Good afternoon and welcome to week number 13, which puts us one week closer to the time when we will resume our normal Sunday school and church activities. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be, but at least one more week puts us one week closer to that date. Uh, today we're going to be talking, continuing our discussion about Jesus explaining his gospel. Uh, today we'll be talking, the subject is about true faith. Last week our subject was about repentance. These are two important doc, uh, doctrines, if you will, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So before we do that, let's get started with our, our prayer. Our gracious Father, with all of the things that uh, are going on in our world today, we uh, confess that it's become uh, all too easy for us to focus only on the darkness that is in our lives. Few of us really truly understand all of the events that are going on and are taking place, but we know that we struggle each day uh, to see beyond the, the cloudy present of this day in which we live. And sadly, we lose sight of the good things in our lives. In these myopic moments, Father, we, uh, our faith seems so little and so inadequate for the situations that we face. And we pray that you would give us a renewed sense of sufficiency of your grace. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us when we grow tired and when we grow weary of the revelations of evil that permeate our lives. Uh, we ask that you would be, open our eyes to the glory and the wonders that are hidden in each unlikely moment. Help us to become more aware of the glorious redemption in all that we have received from your hand. For we acknowledge, Father, it's only from your hand that we can find mercy and love. These things we ask in the wonderful and the mighty name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Getting started today. <clears throat> the subject is the nature of true faith. This week I was, I was reminded in, in reading... Uh, they, they used uh, uh, just a little tidbit about Just As I Am, a, a hymn, a, one of the, our, the glorious hymns of faith uh, written by Charlotte Elliott. Uh, this particular hymn, which I'm sure that everybody that's listening today knows the, the, the verses. Uh, you might know all four verses, and, and I'm sure in some places they probably have made up several more. I know that when I was a, a teenager, we, we thought that uh, in the Baptist church that I grew up in, we thought that Just As I Am... And the evening after uh, the evening altar call uh, on Sunday night, that uh, just as I am, probably had 25 or 30 verses to it before the pastor would finally uh, decide that nobody else was going to come to the altar, so we would close for the night. But it only has four verses that I'm aware of. Uh, perhaps you may know more. But just as I am is a glorious biblical reality. John 3:16 tells us that, uh, uh, and he, <clears throat> let me. Flip the page there. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we flip over on the next page, uh, we'll find that uh, uh, another verse in John, John six thirty seven says, "And he who uh, uh, <laughs> going to be one of those days, folks, where I have uh, forgotten the the page number, or gotten off on the wrong page number." Uh, 6.37, and I was on 4.37, that's the wrong one. All right, 6.37 says that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means 
cast out. I, I was reminded, it certainly is not a part of today's lesson, but in reading these somewhat unequivocal verses uh, from Scripture, uh, I'm reminded about how often people take these verses, singular verses, out of the text and will use them as some proof text for a particular doctrinal position or theological point that they want to make. And I think it's important for, for all, uh, whether you are reading for, for your own edification or whether you're listening to someone else, is that when Scripture is read uh, and exegeted, that it is always done in the whole counsel of the Word and not just uh, just a singular verse. To do that is, is awfully dangerous. And we know that, that sometimes that people do that in order to make a, a particular point. Uh, but, but certainly these verses, while they are absolutely true, uh, need to be taken always in the context of the whole counsel of God. Uh, one of the things that also is uh, that's important in that uh, is this the idea that we talked about last week, is that we come to Christ and we come to Christ in a professional faith saying that we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but as we do that, we do that with repentant faith, is that our our coming, our profession must be in an act of repentance where we are turning away from the sinful life that we led and we are seeking to be not only in Him but like Him. Uh, so, Second Corinthians, Paul when goes to the, in his uh, second epistle to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians 5, I think 15 or 17 or something like that, says that if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Uh, that, that certainly is, is a, uh, uh, worthy of thinking about. When you become a new creature, you can't be an old creature. You can't have your old ways. You can't live your old life. You can't have your old set of values. You've got to have a new set of values. And so that is, that's, that's certainly one of the things that needs to be articulated when we talk about these verses about, about, uh, coming and professing and wanting to be a part of the body of Christ. Uh, there is a lot of things that are entailed in that. Now we know that that uh, in this verse, in this this hymn, just as I am, are many people who look at at that would say that you know the Lord will take you just as you are, and you don't even have to change. Uh, that you can grant you can you can gain absolution and immortality just by a profession of faith, and we've talked about that many times, and have used all kinds of of uh, uh, scripture to point out that that's not true is that there are more things to just making a simple profession of faith in order to be a, a true, uh, to have true faith. The old nature will not suffice for salvation. In, in the, uh, the book of James, the apostle James gives us some very specific words about uh, faith that is not redemptive. In James, the, the uh, second chapter, starting with the 14th verse, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can faith save him? And if a brother or sister is flanked and destu- is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. 
But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So not all faith is redemptive faith. And so as, as the Apostle James is pointing out here in the second chapter, he says that our faith must be accompanied by works. Uh, another uh, sort of an encompassing view of, of the, the idea of the nature of faith is that um, the, the whole biblical uh, recounting of what true faith is, is all about tells us that, that faith is not a momentary response to a divine intervention or a divine initiative in our life. I know that, that many people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and it may be a revival, it might be an evangelistic crusade, it might be in some other context, it might be in a concert. And, and in during that, that particular uh, uh, context, whatever it might be, uh, that someone might feel a movement uh, whether it be a, a true movement of the Spirit or whether it be some other kind of emotional reaction to what's taking place, it's a momentary response. And after it is over with and after that, that, that feeling has gone away and that emotional response has, has dissipated, their feelings are not the same. And so, but, but the biblical view of true faith is that it's not a momentary response to a divine initiative. It's about endurance. If we look at 2 Timothy 2.12, Timothy tells us just that. He says in the second chapter in the 12th verse, he says, If we endure, if we endure, we shall also reign with Him. And if we deny Him, He also will deny us. The walk of sanctification or that journey of sanctification is, is for most a very long journey with many, many pitfalls. And it's those that endure during that sanctification walk that will find eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now the truth about faith, uh, the truth being the, the biblical truth about faith, first of all is that it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says that, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So there's absolutely nothing that you and I can do to affect our own salvation, nothing whatsoever. We can take what Paul says here and, and expand that and, and reasonably conclude that it's, that, that it's not just faith that we're given. We're given the, 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 the means by which we can access the entire process of salvation. That includes the grace for faith. It includes the grace for conviction. It includes the grace for ultimately for profession of our faith and then salvation. And even the grace that, that follows us through the sanctification process. John 6.44. If you have your, again, I hope some of you do have your Bibles and that you're, you're looking these up. But look over in John 6.44. The Apostle John says that no one, Jesus actually says this, but, but the Apostle John captured the, uh, what Jesus said here. He says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up 
at the last day. Obviously, this is, this is just a, a confirmation of the fact that there's nothing within the process of salvation that initiates within us, not anything at all. And just as, as, the, uh, as John captures Jesus' words here, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. Also, you can flip over to, to uh, uh, let's see, Ephesians one twenty nine. Well, I thought that was what it was. Let me make sure my it doesn't look right, so I'll have to check. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Ephesians, it's Philippians 1.29. All right, Philippians 1.29. Again, Paul in his epistle to the Philippians tells them, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Again, it, the idea has been confirmed here that there's nothing within the process of ultimate salvation that initiates within us. It's been given to us by the grace of God, by through Christ, for these things to take place. The, the last part, we, 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 when most of us we read that, he says not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Uh, most of us would probably secretly hope that we never have to suffer for his sake. But the fact is that in some way, it's inevitable that you do suffer for his sake. Another thing that we find that is that, that this gift of God that we have, that we've received by grace, is neither transient nor uh, is it impotent. Uh, meaning that this gift is not something that, that goes away. It is for us. We endure in the faith. He will make sure that we endure in the faith. So this, the, the, the wherewithal, the grace that we've been given in order to be saved, it will not depart from us. As Jesus had said, you know, those that have been given to me by God, I will not let go. Neither is it imp- impotent in that it has no power. It has the power ultimately to save. Another aspect, if you will, or a characteristic of that gift of God is that it contains within it the volition and the ability to do what God has called us to do. It is volition being the the idea that we want to obey. Not only do we want to obey, we're eager to obey. And so not only do we have the, the volition and the uh, in order to obey what God has called us to do in Christ Jesus, but we are also given the ability through the power of the Spirit that resides within us to do that. And of course, all of those things that we do as a part of, of that call, a part of that volition, of the part of that obedience, in fact, is the inevitable manifestation of true faith. Titus 15. Fifteen and sixteen says it says to the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. As Titus is saying, there's, there's some redifiably identical characteristics that, that are a part of true faith. And those are the things that, that he, he talks about him. That those who, who have works, those who, whose consciences are pure, those who do not see bad in everything, those who obey 
their calling. Likewise, faith in Jesus presented itself most clearly uh, as Jesus articulated uh, in Matthew, the fifth chapter. This is the, the, uh, uh, probably one of the, the more famous sermons that Jesus gave. And he contained within these sermons as he's, he's speaking to the multitudes on, on the side of the mountain. And he gives them the, what's, what's referred to commonly as the Beatitudes. And this is in Matthew 5 and it starts in verse 3. And here he is, he is listing, if you will, the characteristics, the foundational characteristics of what he's looking for in terms of true faith. Someone who has true faith are going to manifest these particular characteristics. Starting in verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the things which, which Jesus himself is saying. These are, these are the, the, the manifestations of pure uh, of faith in me. And of course, as he goes through, he talks about those that are pure and poor in spirit. These are, these are people who recognize who they are in not only in Christ Jesus, but also in God. They recognize that there are sinners who are, who are, who are without hope in this world without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are those. And because of that, these are people who mourn. They, they have sorrow because of their wickedness and the sin that is in their life. And that mourning uh, requires, once they, they, they recognize and they mourn and have sorrow about their state in the world, uh, they become meek. They recognize again that they are nothing without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they are not people who are arrogant or proud or self-righteous. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when they receive that righteousness from from uh, Jesus, uh, they become more merciful and compassionate. They become pure in heart. They become peacemakers. And ultimately, as he says in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There, there's no doubt, and I'm sure that there are many people uh, that, are, that, are, that are listening, who are watching this video, who have in fact been persecuted for righteousness' sakes. Uh, sometimes when we stand up for those things that we consider to be righteous, those things which we think that we are required uh, to in, in terms of our obedience to our calling in the Lord Jesus, to do things that we need to take a stand on. Uh, whether they be social justice issues or whether they be spiritual issues of another kind, uh, sometimes uh, we feel called to stand and be counted uh, in, in terms of the biblical position on those issues. And when we do, uh, you can be sure that there will be people who will take issue with that and will, you will be persecuted to some extent for that. doesn't mean that, that every time that happens, uh, you know, something terrible, awful and is going to happen, but persecution comes in all kinds and, form, and, and types uh, in this world. And so uh, when you find it happening to you, whether it's your reputation is being besmirched or whether it's that you're being uh, ostracized in your, in your church or in some other way persecuted, uh, consider it. Uh, 
in, in light of what it means in terms of your character? What is it that you're standing up for in terms of righteousness that's causing this to be? One of the things that we, when we look at these foundational characteristics, uh, I, I think one of the things that immediately strikes all of us is these are standards that we couldn't possibly meet without faith in the Lord Jesus. These are supernatural things uh, that, that, that a man would have to possess. And we do not possess supernatural abilities apart from what Christ that we have in, in Christ Jesus, those that are imparted to us through Him and through His Spirit. We just can't meet those standards. Matthew 18, 3. Read that for real quick. Matthew 18, 3. Is it Jesus in, in one of his, his more notable uh, or at least more famous expressions? He says, and, and, and said, assuredly, speaking to his disciples, when they recognize, the disciples recognize that it's very difficult to get into the kingdom of heaven if they abide by or if they, they, they have to achieve the standards that Christ has set. And so they came to him and said, then, then who's going to be the greatest in, in the kingdom of heaven? Who's, who's going to be able to go? And they, Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So using children as the, the epitome then of the attitude one must have in order to be, uh, to achieve the kingdom or, or to, to be included in the kingdom of heaven. Little children are the most vulnerable among us. Uh, they, they depend greatly upon someone telling them and leading them and guiding them and how to, to, to navigate life until they get uh, old enough to do it for themselves. And so they have faith generally in their parents. And what, God, what Jesus is telling his disciples here is that if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, there must be someone that you have faith in that is going to lead you in the ways in which are going to enable you to get to where you want to be, and that is into the kingdom of heaven. And of course, that person is, was, in, of course, himself. The, 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 I guess the moral of that is, is that faith obeys, unbelief rebels. We can see that play out in, in everyday life. Uh, as we look at, at people who have been raised in homes where uh, obedience uh, was was required uh, and, and they were, were given a, a biblical uh, upbringing, if you will, where, where faith to, and, and parent, parental respect was required uh, as compared to those who, were, who grew up in, in something, something of an uh, a oppositional kind of an environment where rebellious attitudes not only were tolerated but were sometimes cultivated thinking that this is going to make them strong uh, not only in life uh, not only in in the family but also uh, in the world but we know that ultimately what that's going to breed uh, breed is, is people who who are obedient in life and they 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 get by they understand and are going to be able to su- successfully navigate life where unbelievers those people who do not 
are going to rebel and are going to find themselves in difficulty and being unable to achieve what they want to. And of course, if we put that in the spiritual context, those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and obey Him will ultimately arrive in the kingdom of heaven. Those who, the unbelievers, will not arrive in the kingdom of heaven. But there will be people who say, but, but, but I believe... Uh, and and I'm, gosh, I've, I've asked the question a, a thousand times of, of, uh, of students, uh, or more than a thousand times. Uh, you know, what would you say uh, your status is uh, in, in, in terms of your spiritual life, in terms of your spiritual um, uh, condition right now? And, and I can't tell you the number of times that people would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not where I, I should be, but, but one day, as soon as I get my life right, I'm going to get on track. But I believe, but I believe. Unfortunately, that is not enough. And if we're waiting to get our life on, on track, it's never going to happen because we lack the ability to get our life on track. It's only through Him that we can get our life on track. The verse that I wanted, John three thirty six. Says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but will see the wrath of God uh, which abides on him. It's it is a it's a foreboding thought. Uh, it's a it's a thought that is a it's foreboding because there are so many people who think that there, that there is time. There's always time. we got time. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's all, I'm, one, one day I'm going to. I'm going to get straight with God. I'm going to be on the right sheet. I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to get rid of these things, the bad people in my life. I'm going to rid myself of all of these distractions, and I'm going to get right with God, and then, then everything is going to be all right. I, I, I hope that's true for you. Uh, but the fact is, is there are many, many people, most people, I would say, I would submit that most people who say that uh, really have no intention, nor do they have the ability, the wherewithal. They do not understand where they are in terms of their life. And so they, will, they probably will wind up in their life just exactly as they are the day that they pronounce themselves uh, as believers, but yet have nothing to show for it but an empty life. Let me close in prayer. Gracious Father, we do thank you again. We thank you for the opportunity to, for, to do these videos. I thank you for Kyle who gives of his time. We thank you for this church and the church officers uh, who are trying to, uh, to make sure that we get through this season of tribulation uh, without any undue sickness and, and, and uh, bad, bad things happening. And so, Father, we, we pray that you will watch over us. You'd lead us and guide us in the direction that you would have us go. Help us to be what you've called us to be in Christ Jesus, in whose name we do pray. Amen.